Okay, we're gonna talk about this positive prevailing, how to do it, how to, how to keep a great frame of mind. As you know, we've been looking at Philippians 4. I wanna briefly cover the verses, and I do mean very briefly cover the verses that we looked at in the past few weeks. Some of us may remember verse 4. Verse 4 becomes almost the theme verse of the entire book of Philippians. Paul's writing this letter again in a place of confinement. He's under house arrest in Rome. He's writing a letter to the church at Philippi. One of the things that stands out in this letter that we call the book of Philippians is that it's so much about joy. It's about an encouragement to live with joy. And so we read here, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, he says, I will say to you, rejoice. And we talked about that. Be a joyful person. How to do that. He says, let your gentleness be known to all. That is, that is be a person who doesn't, is not quick to take offense or insist upon their own rights. We talked about the Lord being at hand, how the Lord is near to us and very present in time of trouble. And then the sixth and seventh verses, where we've been spending a lot of time talking about the great invitation we've been given, every one of us here, to live our lives close to God. Paul says in verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, with supplication. That is that kind of more earnest pleading with God about things that concern us. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then, what's he say? The peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. You know, we talked about how when Paul was writing this letter, how he was sitting there and he always had a Roman guard with him. It's very possible that, that when he thought about the idea of, you know, what is God's peace like? He took a look at that Roman who was right there and he says, it's just like, just like that Roman guard there right next to me. Nobody gets into this room except they go through him. So it is with God's peace guarding my life. Things can't get through. And if they do, they're quickly apprehended because God's peace guards my life. See, that's what he was talking about. We're going to talk about the connection between prayer and thinking, the way we think, and how that affects outcomes in the time that we're going to be moving into. But I wanted to just kind of go back to that sixth verse again, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything is another way of putting it. Easier said than done, by the way. I mean, it's so amazing how many things we can worry about. And it's so easy to do it. Um, you, know, you know, fortunately, we are given these, these principles to implement. Because I don't know about you, but, you know, I, I mean, I've, I've got same thing like everybody else. I mean, I have normal, normal challenges of life. We all do. Sometimes we have financial challenges. Sometimes we, have, we feel responsible for other people. We feel that weight. We feel the weight to maybe um, think about where things are heading to try to get certain parts of our life back in order. We're feeling a little bit out of sorts. There might be a variety of things. Some of us have, have had a real rough patch in terms of just even being able to work and, and we're having to reevaluate things in our own lives. And, you know, that's not even counting the other kinds of things that are happening, things that are happening in the world all around us. You know, this, our world is in constant change. And, these, the nation's rising up, and, and there's always things happening in the world. There's things happening in our nation. There's things happening in our personal world. And it's just the nature of life. And it's very easy, if we're not careful, to worry about things and to, get, and to start carrying stuff that is, we really, it's not doing us any good. We focus on it. We fixate on it. We, we uh, start to envision the worst. That happens a lot, you know? And again, we're all unique. We're all different. So we all handle things differently. Like, for example, there are some things that maybe, uh, you know, I, I was sharing this with some of the other, uh, you know, staff, some of the guys on the staff that we were talking, and, and some of the, we were just, just sharing some things, and I said, you know, I said, you know, you're, you amaze me because this doesn't bother you. And I was sharing how impressed I was with the, the ability of the individual that I was speaking to to be able to just kind of carry that weight 
and not let it affect them, and, and they just seem to be trusting God with it. And I said, you know, it's really hard for me to trust God. I feel like it's got to get tightened up and taken care of, and then I can't, until I do that, I can't move on. And I was thinking, you know, we're all different. Some of us, some things that wouldn't bother the person sitting right next to us, but it, it just really can just overwhelm us. And for others of us, something that would, we, would just really absolutely paralyze the person to our right or to the left we might be able to negotiate, walk through that, and, and, and go on for a long time just kind of carrying that. It, it's because we're all different. We all have unique personalities and experiences, and, and we have our own stories and our own struggles and our own pressures, and there are pressure points that are unique to us. Here's the deal. No matter what we struggle with, no matter what our issues are, no matter what we're carrying right now, we are invited to bring them to the Lord. One of the things I learned about prayer early on, it's interesting because when I first started to follow Jesus, it was just a really... You know, I had grown up in church, um, and, you know, I, I went to Sunday school. I, I had the opportunity to, to sort of know what church life was like. Um, but it wasn't until, really, I was a teenager that I had a genuine, you know, inter, real uh, impactful interaction with the Lord in my life. And um, when I made a decision, I wanted to follow him. I wanted to live a life that would, would follow Jesus. And uh, one of the things I started to get introduced to were things, you know, that they didn't call them at the time this, but we call them now disciplines, spiritual disciplines. Uh, disciplines connected to the idea of disciple. A disciple is a follower, a disciplined one, someone who follows a discipline, a way of living. And one of the things I was introduced to, it was, I was taught early on, if you're serious about growing with the Lord, Terry, they, they said to me, then you need to start constructing a life that's stable in God. And they, they would describe these pillars. They said, it's like a, they taught me, it was like a stool that had three legs to it. They said, one leg is the word. So you're going to need to spend time in God's word. You need to, you need to take it seriously and, and just really learn it. And so I go, oh, okay, that's one. And the other, they said, the other leg is, is fellowship. And that is the idea of you don't want to do this alone. You want to have other people who you're training with. And in, in, they use the word rowing in the same boat with. That's how I was taught, right? You're all rowing together the same way. And you're growing together. Rowing and growing. And then they said the third leg of it was the idea of prayer. And that was interesting to me because prayer, uh, uh, you know, it, it's always one of those things where some people just seem like they are born to pray. I, I, there are people who before service, they, they, they pray, we pray together. And there's a prayer team here in the church. And and they just amaze me in the way in which they so sincerely, and I mean with loving intention and deep faith, uh, pray for not only the one who's sharing the word, but the whole service and all of you, everybody. All of you have been prayed for. All of us have been prayed for today. Whether we know it or not, we have. The seat that you're sitting on, and I'm just not going to scare anybody, but you have been prayed for. <laughs> Blessing has been prayed over your life. And I love, I love the fact that some people just, you know, they, they come and they just, they could pray. They just pray. And I, I, but when I was young, I always thought, man, that's, that's the hardest one for me. And I thought of it as more of a, more of an obligation maybe. Like, you know, that's hard to do this for a long time, you know. I run out of things to say to God, you know. And, and so it took me a while to figure out that it, it didn't always have to be me talking or sharing. That there were times where I could just be, be still. And there were times where I could just sit with some of God's word and I could just kind of go back and forth. And it was like a conversation. It was, it, it was, it was being with, and here's the difference. This is what I'm trying to say. There is a difference between ought to and get to. There's a difference between law and relationship. 
there's a difference between um, something that we have to do and something that is an opportunity. There's a difference between an obligation, which sometimes prayer is positioned as, and really what it really is, an invitation. You see what I'm saying? If we change our paradigm and say, it's not something you have to do, it's something we get to do. We get to bring our heart and life before the living God. And we are invited to have a relationship with him. I, I'll tell you, when we remind ourselves that this is the, one of the greatest opportunities we could ever have is to share our lives with the Lord and to really listen for his voice for us and to share our heart with him. Jesus taught us this is the way to live. Here's the thing. I know a lot of times we say, well, you know what? I only bring the really, I've heard people say, I only bring the really big things to God. All the list of stuff, you know, I leave it alone, you know. And I get it, you know, I understand. I mean, I know some people will say, well, you know, we don't want to bring every little thing to him. You know, I've heard people say, you know, you know, you know I'm a, I prayed for that parking space, you know, and I'm going, oh, wow, okay, good for you. I mean, I said, <laughs> what happens when two people are praying for the same parking space? Same thing like when they, you hear the guy say, you know, we prayed, thank God we won the game. And the other guy's going, you know, God's going to, I mean, it's like, well, both people are praying for God to give them the, I don't know, is there anything to trivial for God? I'll tell you this, I don't get all that. I don't even get stuck in all that stuff. Look, if people, we can, we are, here's the thing though, we are invited, uh, silliness aside, and we can all debate what is silly, but we are invited to take our everyday life to the Lord. And even little things that might seem silly to somebody else, Jesus actually did say, it's okay to take that to me. He did. Here's the deal. Sometimes we think, I'm only going to bother, I'm only going to go to God for the big deals. But the little stuff, I'm just going to kind of live it on my own. I'm going to point out a couple of just real, and I mean really quickly, why I think there's a couple of little ideas why I think it's, it's important for us to, to also bring our small concerns to God. Number one is because, and I just kind of note this before we get into the rest of the, the, the sharing time, is that I think God's sense of big and small is different than ours. So a lot of times, and, and the reason I'm putting this out is that a lot of times something we think is big is actually small in God's eyes. And something that we think is small may actually be very important to God. And we don't always know the difference. So part of this is humility. Part of this is saying, Lord, this may not seem like a lot, but it's really an issue for me, and I want to bring it to you. I want to bring it to your attention. I want to welcome you into my situation. You know, it's, it's something that it, it may not seem like a big deal, but it's a big deal to me. And then sometimes we might say, tempted to say, well, it doesn't really matter, but it might matter to God. It actually might be. So this whole idea of, of living, the, living in a way that is, we're just kind of living our lives close to the Lord. And even small things, we're okay bringing it to him. Two, remember this, that what we practice, we perfect. And I'm talking about habit formation. And what do I mean by this? I'm suggesting that when we practice trusting God in little things, listen, the likelihood is we're going to have an easier time trusting him in big things. Practice trusting God in small things. When the big crisis hits, the likelihood is we'll have a, a trust base to draw from that has been established because it's the way we live. You see what I'm saying? We live this way. So I live my life in a way that is listening for God and is close to God. I want to I trust God with my life. I want to trust him in small things. I want to trust him in big things. I want to I just say, Lord, all, everything that I have, everything that I love, everything that I care for, everything that I'm working for, everything that I'm pursuing, every dream that I have, every person I love, Lord, I want you involved in all of that. My whole life, I want you to be the Lord of my life, not just the one who I think about a couple hours a week, but the one who is part of the everydayness of my life. And Lord, there's no part of my life that I don't want to let you have 
an opportunity to speak into because I want to live my life surrendered as best as I can to you. And I know I'm imperfect, and I know I mess up a lot, Lord, and I don't always get it right, but, I, but that's where you come in. And I'm so grateful for your grace. And even now I'm getting blessed, just even saying this right now, that the Lord, you are faithful, and you are full of grace, and you love us, and you call us to live our lives for you. And you know what? He cares about, about things. And practice trusting God. That's what I'm saying. Practice trusting God. Little things, big things, who can always tell? But trust him. Thirdly, this was another factor to think about. A lot of our problems that end up as big problems start out as little problems. And if we had welcomed the Lord in early, we wouldn't be in the situation we're actually in. A lot of times, starting off with a small thing when it's at its embryonic stage of development, we can see some stuff we're not sure... Just say, hey, you know what, Lord, I want to welcome you into this situation. I want to listen for your voice. I need your wisdom right now. I want to ask you to speak into my life about this situation. I want to invite you, Lord, to speak through people in my life. I want to listen for counsel, wise counsel. I want to make good decisions, Lord. Help me. Help me. This, this is just a small thing right now, but by welcoming you in at the early stages, it increases the likelihood that this isn't going to turn into a big problem. You see what I'm saying? We live that way. So we're invited to welcome the Lord in. I don't know if there's anything absolutely too trivial for God um, I think there obviously there are some things that we can go a little bit far off on, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of more thinking about the idea that the Lord doesn't mind us bringing things to him. That, that's what I'm trying to say. And I'm going to make the You know, I was reading a book uh, by a man who was studying the uh, life patterns and time tactics of what he called highly successful people in this world. And again, it's... it's that's a different definition of success. He was using a cultural definition of success, people who had achieved power, fame. And he was, talk, he was talking about, he was basically studying, doing a study on achievers who had achieved power. And I was reading this, but it was interesting to me, because I was interested in the time, different ways in which people managed their life. And he was talking, and what he would do, this author, is he would set up these appointments with these people. And he would, it would take him a long time, but over time he would set up an appointment and, and he would interview them. And then he would distill down the, some of the concepts of how they managed their lives and what made them so effective. Well, this particular author had an appointment set up with Ted Turner. Now, some of you know who Ted Turner is. You know, he's, he's, the, he's this media mogul billionaire, um, also known as the husband of Jane Fonda. Um, <laughs> and he's founder of CNN, you know, uh, once owned the Braves. Anyway, this, this very powerful man. The, the author, uh, Greisman, talked about how he had had this opportunity to have an appointment with Turner. Because I was thinking about this idea of how sometimes powerful people, don't, you, can't, you can't get to them. And a lot of times it's not because they're arrogant. It's just that they have so much stuff going on. They have limited time. They have so many demands on them. And we understand that. But li listen to this. He says, once I needed to see him just before the holidays, and he told me at the outset of our conversation that he was very busy, but that he would give me five minutes. So... I presented my idea as rapidly as possible, but I ran over by a few seconds. When I paused for the next sentence, Turner interrupted. Your five minutes are over. They're up. I love you, professor, but I got to go. Merry Christmas. <laughs> and then he says, and then he arose from his chair, walked towards his desk, and began working through the papers. It was clear. The meeting was over. <laughs> and I thought, wow, here's the deal. He may be powerful, but there's nobody more powerful than God. And guess what? You can never bother God. He is unbotherable. And he has all the time in the world. He'll never say, ah, you know what? 
Five minutes are up. Sorry. <laughs> Got to go. That's not how it works with him. Think about it. And Jesus taught us this. Jesus taught us this. He said, don't ever forget. And you know what? Again, we're not just talking about like pie in the sky stuff because Jesus himself said this basically. If I were to put it this way, he said, if it concerns you, it concerns God. If it concerns us, it concerns God. So uh, you know what? And, and he's saying, and don't be afraid to bring it to him. That's what he taught us. Jesus taught us this. When he was on earth, he made it really clear. I'm going to show you in a moment exactly what, when he said it. And he said it in multiple ways and at different times. But there was this moment, on the, uh, for example, in the Sermon on the Mount, when he was talking. This is recorded in a couple of different places in the Gospels. One of those places is in Luke 12. This is not in the handout. I, was re- I just wanted to read it to you. He said this. This is Jesus talking. He says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry. Do not worry about your life. I say this to you. Don't worry about, you know, what you're going to eat, what you're going to put on your body, what you're going to put on. He didn't say you don't have to be concerned in a, in a healthy way, but don't let get caught up in worrying in a way that is, is unhealthy, right? Negative, um, getting caught up and, and, and just disturbed over these things. He went on to say this. He says, life is more than this. More than food, more in the body is, is more than clothing. Listen, and then he did one of what I call two of the great consider moments. And I love the fact that Jesus did, did what we're about to see. Because you know what Jesus did? He paused. I suspect that there was a bird flying right by when he said this. Maybe a, maybe a group of them. He said, stop for a moment. Look at that. Consider the ravens. See that? Neither do they, they don't sow and they don't reap. Look at this. He says, they don't have a storehouse. They have no ability to build a building a store, or barn. But you know what? God, God feeds them. God provides for them. God takes care of them. They survive. And then he turned to the people and he said, don't you ever forget this. You are, you are more important to God than those birds that fly in the sky, as beautiful as they are. And he went on to say this. He says, and, and again, when he says consider that, right, he's saying think about it. Here's what he's saying. Think about it. And then he goes on to say this. He says, and which of you by worrying can add one more to cubit to his stature? If, if you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious about the rest? And then he did a second consider. He goes, fat, look at this. Look at that flower right there. Consider, this is what Jesus, consider the lilies. Have you, look at that. Do you see how beautiful, I love the, by the way, I love the fact that Jesus took, took, told us to pause and to look and to watch a bird in flight and to take a moment to reflect on the beauty of a flower. He says, you know, you consider the lilies right there. You take a look at those. I tell you, Jesus said, and you know it's true, that Solomon, and that would have been the most, you know, magnificent, regal, he, he is noted in Israel's history as the king who was just flamboyant and, and had ev- all the glory one human being could ever have, right? And Jesus says, you know, you consider the lilies of the field. I tell you, Solomon, I tell you this, Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed, not clothed like one of these. And listen, if God does that for the flower, I'm telling you, he said, what, what is Jesus saying? If he could do that, he cares about you just even more. He'll take care of you. I mean, think about what God is saying. Now, what I, th- what I hear Jesus getting at there is that he cares about us. That's what he's teaching us. God cares deeply about us. It, if it concerns us, it concerns God. And I love that. I love the fact that nothing really is too small for the Lord in our lives. If it bothers us, if it's an issue with us, let's take it to God. We, this is something we are invited to do. He cares about our life. Jesus taught us this. He reminded of us, of all of us, to remember that. Don't ever forget that, he said. He, if he cares about the lilies of the field and the ravens in the sky, how much more do you think he cares about you? He loves you. That's what Jesus taught us. Now, jump back if you can 
to the Philippians passage. Look at verse 8, because it's not only about this idea of bringing our prayers to the Lord or being open to sharing our heart with God, but it also is connected to right thinking. So it's right praying, but it's right thinking. Look at this. Look at verse number 8. For Paul goes on to say this. Now, my brothers, listen to me. And he's talking in a comprehensive way, brothers and sisters, men and women. I want you to hear me out here. Whatever things, and he names eight things. These are eight filters. See if you can see all eight of them. He says, whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of a good report, virtuous, praiseworthy. I want you to focus your thoughts in that direction. And that's something I want to put up on the board. One of the primary ways that we can positively prevail in life is to fix our thoughts in the right direction. This is not just a, you know, another uh, you know, posit- positive thinking and, and, and de- deny that there's real problems. That's not what he's saying. This is not about denying that, that we have problems when we have them. But this is talking about, listen to me, and I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm speaking primarily out of my own story. My, 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 I love being around positive people. I always, I do. I'm just drawn to positive people. And probably it's because I maybe don't feel like that's what I really am. So I tend to look at it and I go, I love that in you. And, and you inspire me to want to stay in a good place and trust God. Because I'm going to tell you right now, we will always have reasons to be negative in our thought patterns. We can always be mad at somebody, bitter at somebody, upset with someone, disturbed about this, angry with that offended over that, and we, our mind is just filled with, with negativity, and maybe we're depressed, and we're just we're mad at, at what, we're, what we're not getting or what we're not receiving or how we're being treated. I'm just telling you, it, it, it's a reminder. We're being reminded that we are to always place a filter system over our mind. By the way, that also, I think, means we've got to watch what we allow entry into our mind. A lot of us who are very careful about our diet physically are very careless when it comes to what we allow into our minds. And the primary entry points into our minds are what? What we see and hear. These are the primary entry points. These are the places where the filters need to go. The reason I said it is because, think about it, what we allow in ultimately reflects what we become. Our food it affects, affects who we are physically, so it is mentally and emotionally. That's why the Bible is continually reminding us, think on good things. Jesus talked about having a single eye. Now, he didn't mean, you know, walk around with, you know, one eye. You know, that, that, he didn't say, you know, live with a... What he was trying to say was live with uniformity of vision in your life. Try to be very thoughtful about how you're living your life, Jesus is saying. Be careful about, about just getting, getting careless with what you focus on but stay connected to a way of being, a way of living that is in the growing place, that is trusting God, that is living close to him, that is walking in a way that is, has seen things and is allowing things in that are going to be healthy and life-giving. And, and really, if you think about it, that has so much to do with what Paul is advocating. He's saying, look, it's good to pray, and I want you to pray. He starts out with saying, pray. Take your case to the Lord. Let him in. But then he says, and then also, listen, Take responsibility for thought patterns. Take responsibility for thought patterns. That is, say, you know what, Lord, I invite you to correct me. And if I do start to drop into this thing, I'm going to ask you to help me to pull out of it. I'm going to be around people that can speak truth to me. 
And I'm not going to be mad when people tell me the truth. I'm going to choose to be an open person who can be approachable. You see what I'm saying? I mean, one of the things I've, ha I've had is there were, if, if you've ever been around people you love and you want to help, but every time you try to talk to them, you run the risk of, one, them getting so mad they'll cut you off, or two, as I've, happened in my life, someone gets so mad they get angry, and that can come out in a different way, and a lot of times we just don't want to deal with that. So we, what do we do? We pull back, and we don't talk. We don't, we don't deal with issues, and we, we don't confront it, and we're afraid to. And so what do we settle for? We settle for an unhealthy thing. But you know what? Not only do we lose in that situation, but the other person can never really grow. Because listen, we cannot grow if we don't have a degree of openness about our own weakness. And if we're, un you know, if we're unapproachable, if, 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 we, if we're so angry or defensive or insecure that if, if, if someone who loves us can't even talk to us about what is real, then you know what? We're never, we, that is an attitude issue, right? That's an issue that we, I have to take responsibility for my filters. And I'm going to have to say, Lord, help me to be a person who wants to live in a place that... So, yeah, is the Bible about thinking positive? Yes, it is. It is. And I say, oh, that's just simple. That's just psychobabble. You know, no, you know what? It's, it's, it's biblical. It's the, way, it's, it's the way to live most of our life. We got enough. Jesus said, look, there's going to be enough bad stuff happening legitimately that we have to deal with. Jesus said, don't borrow from tomorrow's stuff. Live in a way that is light. Come, live with me, walk with me, follow in my path. There will be challenges, yes. But you know what? It's talking about a life approach. And, that, and, and, then, oh, and then look at verse 9. Look what he says in verse 9. This ninth verse says this. And then Paul goes on to say, not only meditate on these things, verse 8, but these things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, this is what these do. And if you do these things, if you do this, so if you think this way, and then live in a way that I've tried to model. So what does he start? He's saying, this is what I want you to do. I want you to learn to take your case to God, all right? Pray. And then I want you to challenge the way you're thinking, all right? And welcome him into your thought patterns. And then he says, I want you to follow this example that I'm trying to model for you. And that leads me to this, this, this second piece here, which is this, that when it comes to prevailing in positive ways, one of the, one of the most healthy things we can do in life is to have examples that we can draw from. And uh, the, the reason I say that is because we can learn from the example of other people who we admire, who, who are showing us a kind of pattern for following Christ. What does Paul say? The things that you have learned, received, heard, and seen in me, these do. Wow. Now, first off, that's like, wow, Paul, I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive. To, I mean, you've you got to feel, he wasn't saying he was perfect. What he was saying was he's sincere. And if you want to have a pattern, and listen, to, you know what I, I'm reminded of? We may not have the Apostle Paul to follow, but I, I suspect God has placed people in our lives who can help inspire us to live well for God. Listen to me. I mean, a lot of us have been affected. A lot of us are even here because people who were parents or grandparents or friends or family members prayed for us, showed us some type of example. I, I'll tell you, I've heard countless stories of people who come back and say, you know what, I, I, was, I, was, the, I was the prodigal son. I was the prodigal daughter. But people were praying for me. People loved me. People lived, were living life, not perfectly, but sincerely and honestly. And my grand, I've heard a lot. My grandmother's been praying for me, and I'm coming home. This is beautiful when you see it. And, and the thing is about us, we all need examples. I was thinking about my own life, and I thought, boy, you know, I had the example of, of, a, of a mentor in my life early on as a follower of Jesus. My, 
my grandfather made such a difference in my life. Show me how to love God. I saw, he, he was, this, we, need, we need people who sometimes we can, we can interact. He would have never called it a mentor. It wasn't the vernacular of that day. But I learned to follow Jesus partly by looking at how he lived and how he prayed and how he loved God. Okay, now there are some mentors, but then he died when I was just a young man. And so what do I do? You know, well, you know what? Started drawing off of other mentors, other people, other examples, uh, people who, who I admire. So now listen, n- not everybody who's an example to us is someone we're going to be able to be next to and sit with. Some people we can be close to. Others are going to be more at a distance. I'm going to tell you right now. You can have people who affect us as examples from afar. Listen to me, from afar. Like there are people we read about. There are people that maybe sometimes we hear they've, they've taught us. We're, we're sometimes to read an author deeply and to, to really engage their life in, through the pages of what they're writing and to look into their soul and to hear their work and to begin to know that in a way they may never know us by name. There are people, they don't know who I am, but I have lived out of, their, out of their example. You see what I'm saying? I have lived out of their example. I've gained life from that example. And they have become a mentor from afar. And there are people that God will allow us to have that are, if, look, some of us will have people very close to us, and we all will have people, because none of us are self But sometimes we have people from afar, or people from a distance, or people who I've, I've listened to, and I, I, I don't, they don't know me, I don't know, but you know what? I gained so much from hearing, and they inspire me to want to move forward with God. And I'm with, I'm tracking, I'm tracking with you. I'm hearing it. You're, I'm following Christ as you follow Christ. And I will, I, I can do that. I don't, I don't know, I don't know every detail. I don't need to know. All I know is God uses people. And sometimes those people are right next to us and we see them with their flaws. And then other times there are people who are far away, but God uses them to speak into our lives. And that's good too. What, you hear what I'm saying? We all need examples of how to positively prevail in this life of ours with God. Last thing I'll say is this. Paul not only says, follow the example of others, but what else does he say? It's a neglected word. The little two uh, commas there, these do. This has to do with implementation. It has to do with acting upon what what we believe. It has to do with the idea of, I'm not just gonna admire the concept, I'm actually gonna try to do something about it. There's a great quote, last thing I'll show us. Put it up. It says this, if you can. It says, action without study is fatal, but study without action is futile. What do we mean? What does this mean? Action without study is fatal. In other words, we're talking about the folly of thoughtless action. We just react at things. We just go by what we feel. We panic. We, we, we confront it with something, and we just kind of act on it. We deal with it. You know, some of us, we have a really hard time calming ourselves thinking something through, getting wise counsel, making a prayerful, considerate decision because we are just so caught up in our, either we're afraid or we're anxious, we just act. But that could be fatal. That creates big problems. Living like that creates problems. But on the other side of the coin, if we simply all the time study, which to me is just saying, you know, I'm just going to think about it. Look, indefinite reflection can only go on so long. And at a certain point, it's ultimately not going to be enough just to think about our situation. We actually are going to have to do something about it. And then in other words, prayer can become an excuse for not taking a wise step of trust. You see what I'm saying? There, there is a need at times to say, Lord, I am trusting you. I am praying for you. But now I need to develop an action plan. Now I need to get some good counsel. 
Now I need to have you speak to me through other people. Now I need to begin to think about establishing a new habit in my life because what I've had thus far isn't doing the job. You see what I'm saying? I begin to think about acting on what, see, here's, when we're in a passive place indefinitely, we find ourselves getting more and more confined. A lot of times what we need to do is just break out and, and bust into something new as a way of beating, beating down that worry in our lives. Last thing I'll say is this, that it's not just about positive thinking then. It's about prayerfully trusting God with our lives. It's about placement. I pl- Look, Lord, I choose to keep a good attitude. I'm going to try to, to take steps to deal with stuff. I want to be a prayerful person. But at the end of the day, Lord, I'm just going to trust you with my life. As the song says, I am going to place my life in your hands. I want to ask you, look, we get to do this. We get to say, Lord, whatever issue is on my heart right now, whatever it is I'm doing, I'm placing my life in your hands. It's not a cop-out. That's a trust in. I'm trusting you. I'm welcoming you in. You are in my life. I welcome you into every situation in my life. I place my life in your hands. When Jesus hung on the cross, what did he say? Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. I give it to you. I trust he showed us the way. I tr- As we close, what is it that God wants us to place in his hands? Again, I'm going to stay in a positive place, but I'm going to place my life in his hands because he knows my beginning and he knows my end. And in the meantime, I place my life in his hands. What does that look like? What does that mean? All right, let's pray. Lord, as we, as we have pondered these things, and, and sometimes, Lord, it's not about having every answer uh, trying to be completely uh, sort of captured with a period. Sometimes it has a question mark, and we're to sit with it and think through things and prayer prayerfully meditate over things. And so, Lord, I, I want to just invite you as we close the service out to, to just really speak to us about what it is that you want us to trust you with. Because I suspect all of us have areas that we're struggling with negativity around. Lord, we're struggling with, with uh, a way of approaching this that isn't good. And, and, and maybe some of us are so scared we're doing nothing. And we need to, we need to be more ready to respond and to act. Um, Lord, you know what we need. You know, you know what we are to be. Um, you know the people were to affect. So, Lord, with all that I can, I pray that you would just keep working in our lives. I pray that you would bless uh, our closing song, uh, bless our time of giving, bless all who are here who would want to follow you, Lord, and those who do and don't even know it yet. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, God.